From the studios of the Private Client Network in Midtown Manhattan, welcome to Luxury on Location. This dynamic new podcast features conversations with luxury realtor Kevin Snedden, founder of the Private Client Network at Compass, and his Private Client Network partners. In this, our second episode, Kevin will be speaking with Audrey Ross, our Private Client Network partner in Miami. Words cannot describe the impact Audrey has had on the Miami real estate scene, but we'll certainly do our best. Simply stated, Audrey is the queen of Miami real estate. Often called Miami's woman at the top, Audrey entered the luxury real estate industry in 1984 and has been selling the most significant estates in the history of Miami ever since. Her clients, a veritable who's who list, include heads of state, captains of industry, celebrities, professional athletes, plus some of the wealthiest families in the world. Audrey delivers world-class service and results via her formidable 16-person sales team. What we admire most about Audrey is her boundless energy and her overall enthusiasm. We are so very fortunate to have Audrey in our private client network and are thrilled to have her as our guest on Luxury on Location. Welcome, Audrey. Oh, thank you, Kevin. It's lovely to be here with you, and it's quite an honor to be speaking with you about my favorite subject, Miami, the magic city. Excellent. So let's get right into it, Audrey. We are very excited to have you, and we love Miami. So let's talk first about your background. How did you get to Miami, and how did you get into real estate? Both of those subjects actually <laughs> would require too much time to, to, <laughs> that we have today. But essentially, I came to Miami immediately out of college. I was newly married, and my husband was stationed in Miami, if you will. It was with a national company, and this was our first home. I <laughs> laughingly say I stayed with the city, but I didn't stay with the man. <laughs> so I, we were divorced after that, and I did stay in Miami. He left, and the rest is history. So how did you get into real estate? Well, time went on, of course, as happens in our community, and I met another gentleman. I married him in 1979. We were married 38 years, and he was a bit older than I, and he passed away in 2015. But he was an engineer and headed a very large firm and really literally had the privilege of changing the face of Miami over a number of years that he was doing business here. And I got into real estate because he loved real estate. Immediately upon marrying, he asked me to become a housewife, stay home and travel with him. And I left my job, which was then teaching at the University of Miami, and became a housewife for one year. And he could clearly see that that wasn't going as well as he had anticipated it would because I was a bit restless. And he offered me the opportunity and actually said, come along, Audrey, and help me. I'm selling some apartments I've invested in in Texas. So why don't you get a real estate license and you can go to Texas and help me sell these apartments? And I thought, oh, well, that sounds interesting and new. I got the real estate license and did start traveling a bit to Texas to help my husband get those apartments sold. And I had gone, by the way, into commercial real estate. I headed down the commercial real estate path. 
And I told him shortly after, this is really very interesting and a lot of fun. And so the rest really is history because my avocation in real estate then became a vocation because I started making a little money and really liked it and wanted to open my own business then in commercial real estate. And he was all for it. He had sold his business by this time and I think was secretly looking for a little more to do than he was doing, which was collecting art and fishing. And he said, great. So we went about, I went about that and quickly learned when one of my neighbors asked me to sell their house that selling beautiful homes could be just as interesting and if not more interesting sometimes than commercial real estate. So I say now my avocation became a vocation that became an obsession. And I found nothing I like better to do than real estate. So this is where I find myself now. That's amazing. And a lot of people get into commercial real estate first, and then they realize that residential is just so much more dynamic. It is. And you become more involved, I think, with the individuals and their personalities, their lifestyles. It's just fascinating. It really is. Yeah, to me, commercial is very data-driven, investment-driven. Not that residential isn't, but residential's got a heartbeat and it's emotional and it's about people. And if you're a people person, residential is the place to be. I love it. It has provided a wonderful career for me. And you just can really, as long as you have the energy to keep doing it, you can just keep doing it. And if you have a passion, to me, I work seven days a week, but it doesn't feel like work. It just becomes who you are. Exactly. Exactly. You don't work. You play, really. Your work becomes your play. Your play becomes your work. That's true. So true. So let's talk broadly about the real estate market in Miami. Clearly, with onset of COVID, it's really energized that market. So maybe you could just take us through what's been happening in the Miami real estate market. Oh, it's just, it's amazing. Our market overall is a big time market. I would say one of the top four in the United States. In terms of numbers, it's a $30 billion market. It breaks down, of course, into two parts, into the condos and townhouses and in single family homes. And of that 30 billion or so number, about 14 and a half billion really goes to the condo townhouse side. And the single families represents about 15.8% of it. And of course, it has been an exponential increase. And just in, for instance, the single family homes, it's increased almost 72.5% in one year from 2020 to 2021, that the numbers that I'm familiar with right now that we have, that we are documenting are from 20 to 21. And it's just incredible what is taking place in that growth in the size of it. And of course, inventory is really, really has gone down. In other words, in the single family homes, we've lost over 41% from year to over year over year in the last year in inventory. So it's really extraordinary what's going on in terms of the overall market here in Miami. And I think it is all of the factors that you can think of really go to the why, how that is happening. Because more and more people are working from home. They can work anywhere. So why not choose a beautiful surrounding that with a with a more favorable environment in terms of climate and also 
take off, and especially with respect to the tax side of the equation. The ultra-wealthy save enormous amounts of taxes when they move from states like the, which with your home surrounding states have quite a bit of different tax structure than we do down here in Florida. And we're finding that true generally from, we have many people coming, of course, for those reasons and driving these numbers from California, from the Midwest, as well as the Northeast. Yeah. And perhaps you could speak to this. And this is a result of the COVID dynamic in a place like Miami, similar to say Aspen and Palm Beach, and even Mm -hmm. up in Greenwich, Connecticut, for example, there are two markets in a sense where there are people that are entering that market because of the remote work trend that's Mm -hmm. been happening and how that's so acceptable to the point now where companies are letting you do that as a way to retain top talent. And then there's people that Mm -hmm. are moving within the market because they feel like due to COVID and working more at home, that they want more out of a house, et cetera. So maybe you could speak to like Mm -hmm. these two markets that are happening in Miami, like how many people are coming from places like New York and other places, and then how much movement is there within the market? Well, I don't have the specific numbers immediately in my fingertips regarding how many different people come from each of those separate markets, but it's a huge number. It's extraordinary when you think about, as I was just referenced a minute ago, the increase in the transaction volume. And most of that is driven by people from the markets we reference, from the Western Extreme California market, from the Midwest and from the Northeast. And it is primarily because people have, over the past two years with this COVID exposure, learned they can work from anywhere. And so those that even were thinking about possibly making a move and still being required to go in pre-COVID to the city, for instance, into New York, they really didn't have a choice. They had to stay in the Northeast to go to work. Now that's not the case any longer. So we have this enormous number of people coming here to and accounting for the shrinking inventory, for instance. We have many, many sales where we do give the FaceTime tours and the end up writing a contract, putting the house under contract, then coming during the inspections, confirming that they like what they saw and closing. So in terms of cost of entry, what would you say as a result of COVID, what's the cost of entry into, say, the Miami luxury market? Yeah, you take an average sale price. The the condo townhouse average here now, average, this is not the best of the best, but is $612,000. And the average single family home has gone to $1,007,000. So we're just talking averages. It's an increase um, in the condo townhouse sales year over year to 41.8%. And the million dollar average sales price represents an increase of 45% year over year. Literally, you're almost doubling what you paid for two years ago if you were to go back to the market now. And we see a number of people who had multiple homes literally selling their homes because it's just irresistible to make that much money in a couple of years. Do you have another place to go? Of course, the classic dilemma is that you might want to make the money, but you have no place to go because there's no inventory. 
In fact, just this morning, I made an offer on a double-digit million house. And the idea being that person who they want to come here, they want to buy, and they're willing to get that house to possibly let the seller lease back the house during the time that they possibly can go and try to identify another place to go. Incredible. Can you talk about the mm-hmm. ultra high-end market? I've read a lot of articles about famous people on certain mm-hmm. exclusive islands and just the numbers they're mm-hmm. paying for raw land and homes. Can you just touch upon the ultra high-end yeah. market? I, well, I can cite, which is an easy citation, which is the highest sale last year was on the ultra exclusive Star Island home. The highest sale was a $75 million sale at eight Star Island Drive. It was sold by a physician that had lived there for some time and to actually a corporate name, an LLC, and who knows who is behind that. But the house was 16,000 square feet, so it's not a brand new house. It was built in 1993. It closed in December, and it represented the high sale for 2021, $75 million. Wow, that's incredible. Mm -hmm. And in one community I know, there are no vacant lots. It would be one of the top waterfront communities in Coral Gables. A teardown house did close the end of last year for $16.5 million, representing a lot of just over an acre. And the entry level there now, if you were to go, there's only three listings and the entry level is $35 million. I have to tell you, it's not surprising because we've read up here in New York, a lot of major high finance types have relocated themselves, their entire Mm -hmm. companies down to Miami for a variety of reasons, which you know. Mm So to see the impact to the ultra high end, it's not surprising. Yeah, yeah. It is really extraordinary when you see this happening and you really, just to your point, I mean, it's names that everybody recognizes, hedge funds, private equity groups like Blackstone, Starwood, Capital Group, Goldman Sachs. They've moved and in the sense opened offices here. I'm sure they maintain other offices too, but The demand is so strong still because there's still relatively low interest rates and they can work remotely. So it's an ideal situation for the growth of this ultra, ultra high net worth. And in fact, it's increased when you, if you define in defining ultra high end net worth, if you say someone is, has a net worth of 30 million net assets, I think that's a bit now the floor for the ultra definition for ultra high end, that's increased 9.3% worldwide, that body of people. And in the US, that's increased 13% in the last year. So a significant portion of those people are finding places in Florida and in Miami seems to be the, the location of choice for that particular group. And so it's rather astounding when you look at those numbers and you think about this growth, is it's enormous. I tell people pre-COVID wealthy folks had to have two homes and now they have to have five homes. Mm-hmm. And they like to spend time yeah. in, in different locales during the year. And, and the companies have adjusted to that, like I said earlier, to retain top talent. So say a, a hedge fund, for example, or a bank would have a headquarters in New York and now they have 
a smaller office in New York. They might have an office in Greenwich and then they'll have an mm -hmm. office in Miami. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, and you know, a wonderful thing I, I point out to some people, especially in my market, I, I work my primary market where I work is the waterfront of Coral Gables for my individual myself. And I point out one of the wonderful things is you're 15, 20 minutes from the waterfront to Signature Airways at Miami International and to Miami International. And you can literally get on a flight to New York City at seven o'clock in the morning. And if you should so choose, you can take a nine o'clock back to Miami that same day with no, no big extraordinary effort. So it's an ideal location. Agreed. So let's move into your business in Miami. Why don't you tell our listeners how your team is structured, how you operate, what type of business is sort of in your wheelhouse, et cetera? Sure. Well, we are a bit different. Our, our business model is that we work, we talk in real estate terms about we have a farm, <laughs> meaning the area in which you will become the expert in that area. And the, the members of my team, they work where they live. So they literally are the expert in that community. People get out and walk in the evening. They walk early in the morning. So if you're walking with the people or talking with the people on a daily basis going to and from your community where you live, you literally have the advantage of becoming the expert. You know before anybody most likely who's going to sell or who's going to people that might want to buy, you hear about it from the neighbors. And you can speak firsthand about what it's like to live there, both the positives and if there are any negatives, you know those too. So that is our business model. And we're very fortunate because at this point, we have a member of our team living in every single major luxury area of Miami. So it really does inure to our benefit. And we all can trade among ourselves. We can, re if someone's coming to town, that you might have a personal friend that wants to, if I have someone being referred to me and they want to live on Miami Beach, I call Jeannie because Jeannie lives on Miami Beach. And I know how she works. I know the dedication that she has. I have no doubt about the referral that is being made. And it has worked beautifully for us. So that, that's the structure of our team. And it's been extremely successful. So it, it's a bit different because we do, our team members do both listings and sales. So they work with buyers and sellers. In some teams, as you know, you will have a um, listing expert or you will have a sales expert. We have community experts, which is really wonderful for us. That's really smart way to operate. As you know, real estate's hyper-local. So there's a lot of information mm -hmm. out on the internet for example, mm -hmm. but I always tell people you need to go walk up and down the street. You need to go have lunch in a particular neighborhood. You really need to to really experience sort of a day mm -hmm. in the life in that area and then certainly go mm -hmm. see a number of homes. There's, there's an entire process to really understand what you're drawn to and that you can buy with confidence. So the way you've set up with community experts is, is really incredibly smart. It has been great for us. And of course, we have, in terms of our overall umbrella business, we have, I think it's not so secret, but a wonderful advantage because we own MiamiRealEstate.com. So no matter whether you're in Dubai or London or Hong Kong and you're coming to Miami to live or to even stay for an extended stay, 
you will most likely put in three words of your search, which is Miami real estate, and you get our team. So I, we feel very fortunate that that domain name belongs to us, and we are maximizing it to every extent that we possibly can, because it does yield for us enormous advantage. We get about 400 deeds a month now off of the website. Now, you, as you and I both know, leads don't always mean money because they don't always be solid. They're not always solid leads. They're, but a significant portion of those people are sincerely looking to buy or sell real estate. So that's an enormous advantage. That has become an enormous advantage for our team. In terms of your reach and your team's reach as it relates to feeder markets, so where do you see people moving from specifically to Miami? Well, specifically, we have one of our team members is working now with people from California, and I think she has 10 buyers that she's working with, and I think five of them are, they split about evenly in her case from New York and from California. She had lived in New York, so a number of her friends are referring clients to her that want to acquire places in, in Miami. I have previously lived in Chicago, but these people came from a friend, not, and I'm receiving a number of Chicago referrals at the moment. So significantly now, the bulk of our team buyers are coming from the Northeast and from the Midwest and California. And it turns out that's pretty representative of where the, the buyers are coming from to Miami overall. However, with the changes and the dynamics of the world events going out, we see also a beginning increased interest from Europe. So, in fact, one of our buyers that I'm working with now is from France, and another one just yesterday was with another agent on our team, but showing property, and that individual also had interest actually in an island off the coast of Africa. Wow. So as it relates to whether you're working with a buyer or a seller, how many deals are a result of sort of a multiple bid situation? Ah, uh, <laughs> you, well, I, I, it's hard to say I haven't counted those, Kevin, and I don't know, but a number of people are have experiencing that now. My personal experience has been in the past, that's something you'd want to avoid at all costs. Because generally both parties are, at least if it's two or three people bidding, they get disgusted and walk away because they don't want to be in a bidding war. But with things being what they are, under a million dollars, there are multiple bids. I mean, there's just no way to avoid it. But generally speaking, most of our business tends to go over the million dollar mark. So we're not seeing as much of that as the agents are that are dealing with the under a million dollar mark. One of my friends here in the business told me they had 80 people come to their open house on Sunday and they were lined up around the block and she received multiple bids on that particular property. Are you doing a number of off-market deals? Yes, a lot. In fact, we're doing, I would say, almost more off-market than we are listed because there are just so few listings. One of our communities has only three listings, and I do have under contract and will be closing an, 
total off-market transaction in that market right now? I think we can assume, and Miami is similar to a lot of luxury markets, there is so much more demand than supply. In 2022 in particular, I just see the Mm -hmm. average sale price skyrocketing. I think you're absolutely correct in that because, and again, too, when when the transaction is off market, it really comes down to whether the buyer can justify paying what the price being asked is. And that results many times in a higher per square foot and overall higher price. Agreed. So let's go to the the fun part of this conversation, Audrey, and it's the <laughs> it's the lifestyle in Miami. Oh and you're such a great <laughs> ambassador for Miami. Can you describe a day in the life in Miami? Ah, you mean a day in the life of paradise? Exactly. <laughs> well, I tell all of my clients and who are from other places in Miami, welcome to the magic city because it is truly magical because we are the happy in recipients, I should say, I guess in some respect of wonderful weather and great, great environments. We do have many more things that we can do outside than in many other places, and particularly in the Northeast, for instance, we have wonderful golf courses. We have beautiful tennis courts of all description that you can think of, clay and hardcore and so forth. And we have magical Biscayne Bay. So the activities are almost endless. The water activities run the gamut. We have kayakers, we have jet skiers, we have sailboats galore, we have fishing boats, we have speed boats, we have people who are specialists in diving, free diving. We have snorkelers. We have stand-up paddle boarders. You name it, we have beautiful beaches. So all of that goes to the outside environment that we really are privileged to enjoy. We even have, I love to go sometimes on holiday to Maine and the Acadia National Park area where you can hike. I'm I'm a fan of hiking. But we even have two state parks here over on Key Biscayne that are beautiful. So if you want to go hiking in Miami, you can do that, too. It's almost endless. And so a day in the life of a person living in Miami or visiting Miami can be almost anything you want it to be. If you want to just sit on the beach and read a book, you can do that. Or if you want to go kayaking, you can do that. And it's just it's almost endless. Whatever pleases you most. It's offered here, I believe. Yeah. And there's an amazing restaurant scene and top resorts. Totally. We have some amazing restaurants. Some of my favorites are Fiola has opened up in South Miami, which has typically been a typical quiet suburb that is not suburban anymore. We have beautiful, big office buildings going up there and this beautiful restaurant, Fiola. We have in Coconut Grove, which is a bit, I tell people, it's a taste of Marin County, Sausalito, downtown on the bay in Miami. It's called Coconut Grove, and we have there a beautiful new restaurant, Bellini's, and it's a part, it was called Cipriani, a part Mr. C's for Cipriani, they, what one point was named. It's the top of that new hotel in Coconut Grove. And you get this broad vista of Biscayne Bay and the sailboats and the everything going on the bay in front of you. We have over on Miami Beach, Casa Tua, 
we have the venerable Joe Stonecrabs, and we have downtown. Now, downtown Miami is really grown up with these skyscrapers and huge office buildings, changing the, the whole skyscape of Miami. We have an amazing restaurant, Zuma. And we have also down the Miami River, a, a restaurant called the River Cafe. And not to be left out, downtown Coral Gables, which one of the oldest restaurants now operating here, but one of the most venerable is an Italian restaurant called Cafe Abracci. So no matter what you want to eat, we have, I think, the, some of the finest restaurants in the United States. And I would be remiss if I didn't tell you that there's a couple of bars. Sugar is opened up not so long ago on a rooftop in Brickell, our financial district, very popular. And the River Oyster Bar down on the river, every, a lot of people go there. And some, some of my younger team members said, oh, Audrey, if you're talking about living in Miami, don't forget uh, the clubs, you know, we go to Story and Live and Eleven. And I just roll my eyes because I must be truthful with you, Kevin. I haven't visited a club in quite a while. By the time I work my 12-hour, 14-hour day, I'm ready to put my feet up and have a glass of wine and go home <laughs> so I don't go to so many clubs. But we have some very active clubs for the younger set. Audrey, you should literally be an ambassador for the city of Miami. And I can tell you it's Friday afternoon in New York, and I'm just about ready to go to LaGuardia Airport <laughs> and book a flight to, to Miami and come, come, for the, come for the weekend. Listen, you would love, love, love the Ritz-Carlton on Key Biscayne. They've got a room waiting for you, I'm sure, with a beautiful beach. And they pretty well dominate the scene in mid-beach over on Miami Beach. And the beautiful new Four Seasons in Bell Harbor, if you want to go there. I just need <laughs> so. to know one more thing before I make that decision. It's 30 <laughs> degrees in New York right now. What's the temperature oh in Miami? The temperature today is about 75 going right. maximum 80. Um, I'll see you at about 8 o'clock tonight, Audrey. <laughs> I'll pick you up if you give me a ring at the airport. You got it. You got it. Wow, that just sounds oh, incredible. What, oh. what a great city. No, it is wonderful. Well, Audrey, I have to say thank you. Thank you so much. What an amazing interviewer. I'm sure our listeners are going to love this episode. Miami is just an incredible place. You do a phenomenal business. You really own it. You live it. It's who you are. <laughs> I do love living here. And I, I will just say to anyone listening, you know, if you really, if you're ever thinking of coming to Miami, you can find us on MiamiRealEstate.com or just simply call up one of the private client people in your area and ask them, how do, you, how do you find Audrey Ross and her team in Miami? We will be your host and guarantee you a good time. Excellent. Thank you so much, Audrey. Really appreciate it. Oh, thank you for having us. Thank you. A sincere thank you to Audrey Ross for being our featured guest on our second episode of Luxury on Location. That was an amazing conversation, which we sincerely hope our listeners enjoyed. And thanks to our listeners for joining us today. We understand there are countless podcasts out there, so we appreciate that you chose Luxury on Location for your listening pleasure. We hope to see you back for Episode 3, when Kevin will be speaking with another one of our private client network partners and discussing their dynamic luxury real estate market. In the meantime, please check out the private client network at Compass, your nationwide resource for luxury real estate. 
We operate in virtually every luxury real estate market in the country. You can find us at theprivateclientnetwork.com or on Instagram at privateclientnetwork. Until next time. We'd like to thank the sponsors of this episode of Luxury on Location. Experience luxury vehicles like never before. Are you tired of being locked into leases? Join Motor Envy. No commitment, no maintenance, no headaches. All drive. Visit MotorEnvy.com forward slash LOL to receive your exclusive access, courtesy of Luxury on Location. Greenwich International Film Festival is an all-female-founded, nonprofit organization that harnesses the power of film to serve the greater good by bringing to attention important issues related to basic human rights, education, the environment, and healthcare. GIF offers films, panels, and special events throughout the year, including the prestigious Changemaker Gala, which will take place May 25, 2022, and will honor Lin-Manuel Miranda for his work with the Miranda Family Fund. To learn more about GIF, our events, and membership opportunities, please visit www.greenwichfilm.org.